Hello and welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushi. This is your host, Menion, also known as Rob. Now, imagine, I imagine you can hear that. That's the sound of the cicadas or cicadas. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a funny summer. Um, it's quite hot today. We had a very early end to rain season, but then it came back again. Um, and we've had a lot of rain, which has kept the temperatures down a bit, but it's starting to creep back up. Well, uh, in this episode, I have a number of call-ins, and they regard the past episodes I've done, uh, mostly the, the one on Pools of Radiance, the computer game, where I talked with James of Grog Talk. There's also um, call-ins about, mm, let's see, uh, ruminating on the runes, I think it was called, which was um, a little bit more uh, of a recap of the RuneQuest, the second session of RuneQuest that I did, if I, if memory serves me correctly. And also the discussion, um, I'm trying to think of an appropriate word, the discussion I had with, with Andy from Breakfast in the Ruins on Moorcock and Pulp, pulp fiction uh, and fantasy. So that's what the calls are about. I think they're pretty good. Um, my responses were recorded last night um, after a few whiskeys, so I'm a little bit slurred. Um, but hopefully, it's not too much of a mess. <laughs> you know, uh, fast forward if it's uh, a bit painful, but uh, I think it's all right. Holds together. So, um, without further ado, let's just get into the calls. So, first call up is Joe Richter of Hindsightless Podcast. Take it away, Joe. Hey, Rob, I really enjoyed that episode of you guys talking about Pools of Radiance. I hope you do another episode, at least one more about it, because I'd never played that game back in the day, and it it just sounds really cool. Um, You know, I'm not the biggest gamer in the world, though my eyes used to be much better than they are now, so I played more when I was younger. But the earliest role-playing game on computer I can remember playing was on my Mac 2E, and it was a game I think called Exile Escape from the Pit by Spiderweb Software, I think. And I just thought it was the coolest, coolest thing. Uh, And I've never been able to find it again. I would love to play it again. I don't even know if that would be possible on, like, today's software. But it was just really cool. And I loved hearing you guys talk about the the game and how much you enjoyed it and what it it meant to you. That was just very, very cool, man. Anyway, peace out. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Um, It was uh, an interesting topic, I think, for me. Um, And I'm glad you like to – you appreciate what we did there – it was just um one of these things the 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 sheer volume of computer games and role playing games that were coming out in the you know mid late eighties you know the whole way that we engaged as young people really changed quite dramatically um compared to when I was a kid there were no microcomputers to speak of. There was no real kind of uh, extensive, <clears throat> commonly owned microcomputer uh, until the early 80s. And before that, we just stayed out and played out, <laughs> you know, on the streets. Um, 
and that all really changed quite a lot uh, for good or bad but you know part of that part of that was uh pools of radiance and uh as james said in that interview you could sit down without having to get everybody there you know in one room uh once a week reliably <laughs> and this is at a time when people are growing up right they're they're get starting to get jobs they're starting to get jobs part-time jobs they're they're starting to hang out with other people starting to get girlfriends and and of, co- of course you know it's it's hard to get your role-playing fix so there was a lot of in my case anyway there was a lot of solo play there was a lot of one-on-one play uh for role-playing games and there was a lot of um yeah sitting around the computer and if it wasn't you know fighting fighting games that would be a little bit later with the super nintendo um it was things like Pools of Radiance and Dungeon Master. So uh, hopefully um, we'll do one on on Eye of the Beholder. And I'll maybe do something about the Dungeon Master computer game. Um, I don't know if that'll be a full show or just, you know, it's two small things together. But, you know, I'll do that at some point. And if people are interested, they can always go online and uh, check these games out on YouTube. You can get emulators, by the way. Uh, I'm sure you know this, Joe, but if you find out the game, and I've never heard of that game you 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 played when you were younger, but if you can get a copy, then it seems like you can find emulators to run old DOS games or Commodore games or whatever the system it was that you were using. So uh, that, that could be a possible uh, thing to do, but uh, sure, you know, if your eyesight's not great... One way of doing it would be just to watch people, you know, actual plays, let's plays or whatever they call them, on YouTube. And that way you don't have to faff around with these old, you know, with the emulators and these old clunky commands and everything else, you know. Uh, You can just pick, pick an episode, watch a little bit, get a general gist of what's going on. And I'm sure you have if I understand correctly, you have some kind of device that allows you to blow up stuff on the screen, right? So you can see it more clearly. Um, so that might be something that's uh, that's a little bit more accessible. Um, and of course, unless you're really crazy, you know, about these things, these games, you probably get bored after 10 minutes, if that. <laughs> but uh, I'm really glad that you enjoyed that. So uh, thank you so much for your uh, feedback. Okay, Rob from the future, I've come in from the from the balcony as those cicadas are just crazy, uh, really noisy. So next up is Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Hey Rob, Jason here. I'm so far behind in podcasts. I just listened to your Pool of Radiance with James. Great episode. Uh, yeah, not much to comment on that. I, I may comment on that on my show. As far as old video games, what I played, what I didn't. But I thought that was a great conversation. I look forward to you guys discussing other games and other topics in the future. So, And I look forward to catching up on your podcast because, obviously, I'm a couple episodes behind. So, anyhow, take care. Thanks, Jason. Um, and Jason uh, has a podcast, as I've already mentioned, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And I believe... Uh, he just had an interview with James from Grog Talk and talked about that podcast, uh, YouTube show 
as well as Grog Con, which is a convention for old school games down in Orlando, Florida. So if you want to listen to that, go ahead and I think it's, well, I've got it here, episode 367, 367, 367. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Jason. And we'll have it, Jason, again, actually, uh, later on in the show. But before that, I believe I have a call in from Colin of Spike Pit Podcast. All right, take it away, Colin. Oh, Rob. Um, yeah, I don't know why somebody would respond so rudely to your comments about DM screens. Uh, seems like a fair enough comment to me and, uh, and makes total sense. But on a more positive note, yeah, I've played a little bit of Rune quest actually with uh shandy andy and uh i often wonder where he's at nowadays um perhaps you know yourself also uh nice adjacent to talk about my my player episodes and you to pl- play his message and i've actually because of a couple of times now that uh jason's mentioned them i've put the episodes back up however the uh apple podcast conspiracy uh, has meant that they, they've not they're not showing up in people's feeds so uh, just another thing i've got to figure out at some point anyway enjoying your episode mate take care and i'll catch you later yeah thank you for that uh show of support spike pit uh colin so people yeah people have funny comment you know they just have their own opinions right and sometimes they feel so strongly about it that they they get a bit carried away i guess um but uh yeah you know well as you say, keeping things positive. Um, I haven't actually played with Shandy Andy. Obviously, I know the name and I've seen him around, but you know, I, I've never actually played with him. Um, and I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen anything from him. So uh, maybe somebody, uh, somebody out there knows. I mean, Jason Connolly uh, is probably one one person. <laughs> he seems to have a have a fair idea of what everybody in the whole anchor sphere is doing at any time. So uh, maybe he's the one to go to on this. Um, so yeah, I, I did, I'm getting your, I am getting your, um, podcast that you've been putting up. Um, I sometimes get a little bit confused if it's an old one or a new one. Um, but that may be because I'm, I'm often commuting and I'm not always as sharp as I should be in the mornings. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they seem to be coming up on my podcast, podcatcher, if that's what you call it. So I don't know what the exact problem would be. Um, but yeah, they're really good stuff and, uh, very pertinent i think there is a cycle there is a cyclic um, nature to a lot of our conversations but i don't see that as being a bad thing uh, i think it's um just in the nature of things to to always come back to a point where you're reappraising what you're doing um i'm sure there's some old <clears throat> um kind of office jargon about um you know proposing things put them into practice blah 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 i forget what it was right you know what I'm talking about, all that stuff, you know. Um, but it, it, there's a sense to it, you know. I think there's a, there's a theoretical and there's a practical side um, of role-playing games. Um, and we may not want to delve too deeply into the theoretical. And some of us love the theoretical, but some of us don't. Um, but it is something that comes up again and again. So you, you do have the same problems such as players being late or to games or or 
thinking, as we'll see uh, in my case, thinking that you've done a bad job, but actually it's been it's gone okay, or or vice versa, right? There's this kind of very very strong subjective side to role playing games, and often it's not clear. Um, it's not clear um, how you should how you, how to evaluate a game, any given game, um, your performance or or the game in general uh, at any one time. And um, you sometimes forget the great advice, or we sometimes forget the great advice that we give others. And uh, when it comes to practice, and make some really silly sort of uh, judgments or calls. Um, and uh, so yeah, I suppose it's one of these things that it's just the nature of the game. We always come round, it comes round and round, doesn't it? And occasionally we do learn a little, and uh, we're able to build on things, but. Human beings are these creatures that they're always they're always recycling. We're always going through what happened before. We're always revisiting, making the same discoveries in slightly different ways. Um, so maybe it's just a natural thing, and not yeah. But I'm getting I'm rambling. It's late in the evening, but I, I do thank you very much for your uh, for your call and uh, hope to listen to more of your recycled older i think they're being they are recycled right? that's the correct word um your recycled uh podcast episodes so uh yeah right take care man next up we have a call in from che of roleplay rescue and he's going to talk about anxiety that's gm related anxiety that arises from games or prep of games and also about RuneQuest. let's let's hear what he has to say Hey Rob, Che from Roleplay Rescue, just wanted to comment on three things. Uh, firstly, I'm really thank you for uh, playing my call and commenting on it. I'm glad that, yeah, um, the sort of spiritual um, and emotive elements of RuneQuest have really played out for you and, and lifted you into a sort of different style of playing as you were reflecting right to the end of your show. Also, thank you to Joe for calling in about that um, sense of anxiety about whether we have, when the, when the action slows, whether we have been the one that has failed. And, I, and I'd like to sort of echo that, first of all, we can't really know what other people are thinking and feeling. And so we have to trust what they're saying. We have to take that at face value. That's all we've got to go on. But also to say that it's everybody's part of that group, right? That this is a shared storytelling experience. And so, of course, we're all in this and it's on all of us. If we're not having a good time, what's our part? Um, and just lastly, to um, kind of say, I'm glad that you feel like RuneQuest has made a difference to your gaming because I love that game. Game on, man. Thanks so much for those uh, really uh, warming words, heartwarming words, uh, Che. So tomorrow is Sunday, then it's a week until my next game for RuneQuest. Uh, unfortunately, one of the players is going back home to another country where he lives you know where he's originally from so we'll be one player down and another player won't be able to make the session so i was going to call it off but we're deciding to probably run it anyway either online as a kind of informal chat session well it's not really informal it's not a chat session that sounds really too informal but um as a more loose type of role playing let's call it or, or we'll meet up and, and just get the dice out as per normal. But I think it's really important to keep it, keep the ball rolling because it's 
the last session, which was a week ago, I was only there for um, about an hour and a half, an hour. So we, it was just kind of downtime that we did, um, you know, experience checks and so on. So I, I feel, you know, I've got to do it next next week because otherwise it's a whole month without the campaign. It slows down, you know, and we're only just starting to get started. You know, we're only just getting the uh, wind in our sails. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's got to be, got to keep some pressure up. I've got to keep keep it moving somehow, even if not all the players can attend. It's got to keep on going. So that's something that you didn't <laughs> talk about. You didn't respond about, obviously, because you didn't know this, but... I thought it's kind of fitting that uh, we do have all these little dramas and, and uh, dramas sounds kind of dismissive, doesn't it? Sorry. Um, these these issues, these human, natural human kind of interactions that we we have to resolve somehow. And there's so many different ways you can do it, including just getting frustrated and giving up, right? Um, and as GMs, we're always... Or it seems to be like we're at on the edge of <laughs> of things, of complete chaos, you know, of order and chaos, and we're always trying to keep the wheels from flying off, right? Um, that's in the session and the you know coming up to the session. So you're always the one trying to arrange everything, put the the reminders up, the events up, and all these different things, you know. Um, but you know it is it works. I mean, particularly if you keep a structure, you know, you keep a, a regular scheduling. If you can do that, if you can keep some kind of order uh, that everybody is able to agree on, then it, it's easier to 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 protect that. To to oh God, I'm slipping into Japaneseisms. Um, it's easier to to. Um, live up to those uh, obligations, expectations, uh, and to to keep the rules. That's the word I was looking for. Sorry, in Japanese, it's ruru uh, or mamoru. Protect, defend the rules. But, um, sorry, sometimes I'm a bit sleepy. Uh, anyway, um, so um, that's, that's it. That's that. Um, yeah, the... That's the human aspect, I guess. The RuneQuest side of things, it it's really great. I've probably said this before. It's just wonderful being able to slip back into this game, which caught my imagination, um, sparked my imagination. But I didn't really understand Glorantha because it wasn't really a published world when I got into the game. Um, but still really being drawn to the system. Not so much the magic, which I, I had problems with. I, I, it didn't quite, you know, coming from a, D and D Warhammer, uh, Middle Earth role playing, you know, role master side of things, didn't wasn't quite the same. You know, the spells didn't quite work, and obviously everybody being a spellcaster, wow. So, mm, mm. but um. It is fascinating and um, one of those aspects of gaming that you've quite frequently referred to in your on your podcast, Roleplay Rescue, is uh, this idea of, I don't know if you use the term, lonely fun. <laughs> it sounds a bit suspect, 
But, you know, that idea that you, all forms of, of, of engaging with the game are a kind of gaming. Not just sitting around the table, not just the solo game of, you know, with a game book or something like that, or some kind of uh, games master emulator, whatever you call them. But, but also the creation of characters, the creation of the world, game world, the creation of um, a storyline, a plot, an adventure. And for me, um, opening a book, so I've got Secrets of Hero Questing here from the Johnstown Compendium. This is for RuneQuest Glorantha, or, well, ostensibly. And I'm, I'm going through there. And uh, I'll talk a bit, little bit more about this, actually, this book um, in the next, probably the next podcast where I, I'm going to have an interview with somebody uh, involved with Johnstown Compendium, um, Nick Brooke. But that's, that's for later. Um, but yeah, I'm just getting into these books and this book in particular, and I, I, you start to draw the lines together. It all starts to come together. And there's this magic when you perceive that this game this game and this, this setting and the way the rules and the setting interact is something really, really special and unique. And it's really rare, I get that. But um, for all its complexities, and that's the complexities of rules and the complexities of the, the game world mm, concepts, it's an incredibly, incredibly rewarding game. Um, and, and reading... I'm reading about secrets of hero questing and the ideas of hero quests. And of course, you're starting, it's starting to bring things together. It's starting to bring the magic system together. It's, it's bringing the myths, the mythologies together. It's bringing together the, the roles of the cult. Roles of the cult, did I say that correctly? Cult and uh, priests, priesthood and so on, the hero the idea of the hero and what the hero is, what it's a god. What is reality in Glorantha? And it's not what you normally associate with these words. These these things aren't the same as what the words signify in many other systems. And there's something, there's a very rewarding conceptual framework behind this game and this setting that um, just, I, I can read a, a paragraph and I'll be just blown away. And it'll have me running down all these different rabbit holes. I'll be opening up my Glorantha source book or the, you know, the RuneQuest Glorantha core, core rule book, whatever. And then you see this and that. And it's it, when you try to read through the rules or the source books, it's just really heavy going but having done that and now coming back to sources like the secrets of hero questing and various other johnstown companion works you're getting to see what i call uh, in the next episode a kind of a working example of play how your glorantha might vary um and it's really freeing because you can see how you can work within the framework and still break all the rules because actually that's what hero questing does <laughs> um, and that's really exciting and so when at first glance it appears a very very 
stuck, uh, hidebound setting, bound with canon and, and rules and this and that. But, but um, it isn't necessarily, and there are ways to break the rules and there's ways to, to vary the setting. And it's not a simple, um, it's not a throwaway term, you know, your Glorantha will vary. It's not this kind of a, a kind of rule zero sort of um, wishy-washy way of of saying, yeah, it's a really complicated game, but you can do what you want. It, it, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, it, I think it's really hard-boiled. <laughs> Sorry, it, it's cooked into hard-boiled role, mixing my uh, my terms. It's really cooked into the rules, this idea of being able to bend the rules. Mm. Um, but you need to... There's a hurdle, there's, a, there's quite a high um, obstacle to overcome before you get to the point where you make that understanding. And it's, it's funny that it, in a way it's kind of like the understanding of illumination and the nature of reality in the game world of Glorantha that is... Uh, None of it is actually real, <laughs> and it's all malleable and can be manipulated. So that was a really long reply to your very simple call-in, which I thoroughly uh, appreciate. Um, but you can see I've got a lot to say on this. And uh, also, 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 we need to talk a little bit about Rollmaster. And I know somebody else will be really interested in that, and I think he's up if not next, then soon. Yep, that's Jason I'm talking about. Anyway, thank you so much, Jay, for your wonderful, wonderful call-in. Still working through my back catalog. Just want to say I'm on ruminating over the runes. And as far as Joe's calls, I 100% think that's true. You have to accept what the players tell you as truth. If the players tell you they, had, they enjoyed the session, don't second-guess it. Just accept it. You, you know, let them know that if there's a problem or, you know, they feel something's not, they're not happy with something, they need to tell you that, be honest with you. But once they know that you want them to be honest, if they tell you they were happy, just accept it. A lot of GMs have a hard time accepting that players are having a good time, even when the players are saying it. So, you know, accept their word as the truth. Oh, that's a wonderful time in, Jason. Yeah, I, as I said, uh, I knew you were coming up. I was pretty sure you were coming up next. And there you go. There you are. So that was, of course, Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. If you don't know uh, the podcast, it's it's a, it's a great one. It's a great um, place for everybody basically to come together. Jason listens to a huge number of other Anchorites uh, podcasts and pro- presumably other podcasts too. Never, never um, scrimps. Is that the right word? He never, you know, scrimps on on, on um, taking the time to listen through people's cat back catalogs and, and and podcasts he's missed because he, you know, for one reason or another. Um, and for that reason, he's kind of like a cornerstone of the Anchor RPG uh, community. So uh, 
you know, we're all very f- thankful for him. And we get a lot of interesting uh, conversations and sometimes some some uh, very uh, rewarding uh, dives into other other uh, interests and hobbies than those that we uh, are presently discussing, that is RPGs. So, yeah, you're right, Jason, of course. Um, as or- has already been uh, mentioned uh, just earlier by some of the other other callers, um, not least of which was Che just now. Um, yeah, you've just you've got to you've got to overcome those feelings of inadequacy and uh, anxiety because you know that's not always a very good. Uh, they're not very reliable. You know, it's you you need to just listen to what people say and ask people for feedback and. Uh, accept what they say to a certain extent and uh, try and build on things and move on, I suppose, yeah. Um, if it's any consolation, I do feel a lot better <laughs> at the moment. Um, as you heard just earlier when I was discussing this with Che, um, there's all sorts of issues that come up and the latest one is, you know, the scheduling issue and the possibility of the campaign being thrown um, delayed again, you know, um, and I don't want to get in another situation where we go on a hi- hi- hiatus. Um, we're at the beginning of the campaign. It's really essential to keep that pressure up, to keep the 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 tension on the bowstring, as it were, and to fire straight. <laughs> if that makes any sense, um, and that's what I intend to do. So. Um, Thank you so much, uh, Jason. And um, yeah, um, as you heard earlier, I'm hoping to do something Rollmaster flavoured at some point soon, discussing it, if nothing else. But, you know, the first step to any kind of role-playing game, probably. <laughs> I shouldn't I shouldn't make all-income-passing all statements like that, should I? One of them... One of the important steps in role-playing is to sit down and read the books and think about the ideas that are being expressed in them, the kind of games that you want to play, right? That that, that game before the game begins, um, that, uh, that exercising of the imagination before the game begins is, is incredibly rewarding part of the game. Um, as I've already sort of touched on a bit. So um, there is a possibility one day, perhaps, of Rollmaster coming out of retirement. Um, and I, for one, I, I really like the look of the classic Rollmaster, the, the new ones that have been printed. And I did pick up a... I picked up a um, the second printing of the second edition. That's the one with the Angus McBride uh, cover. And I, I picked up character law and campaign law because the current the currently available um, rules for uh, which are available on print on demand on drive through drive through rpg don't have um don't have campaign law um, and it's very well regarded by many as being just a fantastic uh, universal resource for setting up campaigns for games mastering. So I picked up a copy. It was going for just under 2,000 yen. 
which, well, uh, who can say what that's worth in, in any currency these days because currencies are just all over the shop. But it used to be about 20 bucks or so, you know, um, 22 bucks, I don't know. No idea what it is now. Everything's gone a bit crazy. But I picked up that and um, yeah, I haven't looked through that yet. So th these rules must be rediscovered. Right, thank you so much for your wonderful call, Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Well, this is magic. I've got two calls. I've got two calls from Che of Roleplay Rescue in one episode. Just saying. Hey there, Rob, it's Che. I just wanted to call and say thank you. Thanks to Andy from Breakfast in the Runes. I really enjoyed your very long interview with him and chat with him about Moorcock and pulp fiction generally. It was really interesting. And there's a number of things that you touched on that are really fascinating to me. Uh, you've also noticed what has been called the long tail in uh, sort of publication and products generally, the idea that anyone can publish. So there's just this incredibly long tail of stuff out there. And the enemy really isn't piracy it's obscurity and the idea that you know the only really way to get found out is for people to recommend you to pass you around and um, of course if you what you do is great if the ideas are strong enough they will get passed around and so that's what you were doing in that episode and it was just great to hear you talking about those old pulp stories many of which are available on kindle and um, you know even the ones that aren't well I'm sure in the long run they probably will end up showing up but you know just my thoughts anyway thank you so much for the time so much for doing the interview I really appreciate it game on yeah, nice one, Shay. Thank you so much for the uh, second call, and that's wonderful. Yeah, I had a lot of fun talking with Andy. I, I kind of get on with him really well. I find him really down to earth, um, and I think his ideas are really well thought out and honed. I mean, he's got a very strong sense of uh, what he's doing, <laughs> even though he probably wouldn't agree with that. But he has a, a, co a very coherent way of looking at his... Uh, parts of the the hobby or his, you know, whether it's role playing or the, the novel side um, as for uh, the long the long read I can't remember the word you used excuse me um, as, as for the long novel form that has become so seems to be so so much part of the 90s and I, it's something I really missed missed the these ongoing these just huge epic fantasy sagas um that are always the new Tolkien the new Lord of the Rings right um or in a different sense I guess the the Dungeons and Dragons the advanced Dungeons and Dragons books of the 90s where we had these books being pu pu pushed out to a certain extent but maybe that's not quite the same I guess some of those were uh Mm, some of those were long sort of saga-like things, weren't they? But, you know, others were one-offs, so it doesn't quite hold true, does it? But, yeah, I mean, it, it it's difficult, isn't it? Obviously, a writer like Robert E. Howard or Tol um, Moorcock, for example, not Tolkien, Moorcock, these pulp writers, Lovecraft... Um, they they've had their day right you could argue <laughs> I, I wouldn't argue that but many people would right uh, they've had their day they've had their you know their chance to shine and 
well, that may be true. I mean, in some cases, like Robert E. Howard, he unfortunately didn't live to see his his, his true fame, and that's probably true of uh, many of the American popes, isn't it? Um, but but I would say, well, hang on. There's there's a, as a form, the short pulp, the pulp novel, or even the short story, which many of the popes, you know, were short stories, weren't they? Weren't they? But the short story, as a as a medium, is is one that deserves our 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 admiration and our interest. I think, and more than ever, I think, with, with our attention being divided between so many different uh, objects of interest. The short story probably fits these times, our times. And somebody maybe will write in and say, or call in and say, well, look, Rob, there's tons of uh, fan fiction sites on, on, on the internet, or there are ways of publishing your self-publishing on Amazon, etc., etc. And no doubt they're right. Um, but I am not aware of a really, really strong um, publication dealing with short stories or pulp fiction. Uh, if there is, you know, tell me, you know, please, uh, please enlighten me. Um, but I, I, I see that as being a way for new writers. I see the new, I see people looking at what Moorcock was doing in the 70s, for example, or what Robert E. Howard was doing, was it the 20s, the 30s, 20s? Lovecraft. And they could emulate that. And with the technology we have today for self-publishing, but also the ability to, to correspond with people of similar interests, which is something the Pulps did uh, very much, but they had to do it by letter, right? They had to write letters, they had to make telephone calls if they were lucky enough to live in a time where the telephone was an affordable um, technology. Today, um, it is a very very much easier to do that, I'd imagine. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it's a, a medium of yesteryear. I think... While many of the subjects may not be palatable for everybody, uh, subject matters, that is, and some of the ways that they looked at the world um, are not ones that I would personally um, want <laughs> to, see, to see become normalised today. Um, that is beside the point, perhaps, because... It's not so much the ideas as the format and the idea that anybody, you know, whether it's Lovecraft or a Philip K. Dick, or um, can get get there and just come out with the most outlandish stories and concepts and ideas, you know, the weird fiction uh, ideas where genre wasn't this corporate crafted. Uh, way of appealing to certain market segments but was sheer imagination and wonder and 
if you knew about it, it was very hard to escape it. And maybe it didn't make a lot of money, but it sure um, survived a long, long time and, and launched many, many a career afterwards. So it's not all about money, is it? <laughs> and, you know, I'd rather be not to knock any of the uh, the new fantasy writers with their really long stories and i'm reading uh the game of thrones series of novels at the moment uh and you know fairly enjoying it but what um i think i would prefer to read i think i prefer my moorcock um even if it's a throwaway novel because some of the writing in those novels and some of the ideas some of the uh the metaphysics and that are actually quite deep. And when you consider how they were writing, which was on a shoestring, and the number of pages they could they had available to squeeze these ideas into, that's quite a feat. So that's what I'm going to say on the subject. <laughs> All right, again, uh, thank you so much for your call-in, Jay, and to everybody who's given me the time their time, taking the time to write in, to share their thoughts with us, with me, with the listeners. Um, I think the, as many people have said on Anchor before, uh, I think the ability to call in is uh, just wonderful. It does sometimes feel, if you do it right, and probably I don't, it does feel like a conversation between uh, different people and it does vary the the voices. Um, Even if Unfortunately, we all tend to be <laughs> middle-aged men uh, from the Ang- <laughs> from English-speaking parts of the world. But you can't have everything. Um, if you're a woman, if you if you fall in between the cracks and you're somewhere else, you know, identify some other way. Um, hey, you know, call in, um, and if it's a if it's a nice call, you know. Um, you're 100% guaranteed to be aired. <laughs> if it's controversy and uh, and uh, hate or fear, then yeah, I'll probably I'll probably be a bit more circumspect in how I approach the calls. But otherwise, yeah, everybody come on, come one, come all. Uh, the more the merrier, you know. That's uh, how this this community uh, gets strong, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, we'll see younger voices and uh, other voices and entering the hobby, entering the pulp fictions and the old school role-playing and uh, mixing it up. And we do see that to a certain extent, even if we don't see it on my podcast, unfortunately. But I I do believe that's happening. I do believe that's happening. And I believe that's where the energy lies, uh, just outside of the, of the totally corporate part of the hobby and on the uh, on the periphery, yeah, stay out on the periphery. That's what I want to do. So, waffling, we'll only get you so far, but it gets me quite far. I'm usually, you know, usually pads out my podcasts at least fifty minutes. So hopefully, this has seen you through your commute, if you've reached this far. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to all the people who uh, make this what it is. And um, until next time, take care. Enjoy what you're reading. Um, enjoy whatever play you're able to get to, even if it's only that lonely kind of play. And uh, 
we'll, we'll catch up somewhere, you know, sometime soon. All right. Take care.